Hebdo attacks, if, if memory serves me, there were, there were some. In some of the attacks in Europe that we've seen, there, there have been that. I was going to say that if he did make contact, if he did make contact with ISIS, they will have instructed him not to just leave a note, right? They want a martyrdom video. They want him pledging allegiance to Abu Bakr al So, poor Anderson Cooper trying to do an interview. People have just died, right? Right. And he's there at the scene talking yeah. to people about the terrorist attack, and somebody's yelling, CNN is fake news! Probably a Trump supporter. <laughs> probably wearing a MAGA hat. He probably. Probably. Terrible. These Trump supporters, they're everywhere. <laughs> you know, that's one text we got along those lines. Did that truck in New York have a Confederate flag and a Tea Party sticker on it? If not, that Virginia governor candidate might need to update his commercial. Talking about a political ad that's out there uh, in Virginia in the governor's race. Showing a, a big truck that is a Trump supporter type running down immig- uh, uh, minority children. If I'm his opponent, who's the awful Ed Gillespie, um, well, if I were Ed's uh, political uh, operative, first of all, I'd have to make a note of where I left my soul because I might want it back someday. But what I would do is immediately produce, I'd have it on the air by noon today, an ad with Ed looking sad saying, for the last several weeks, my opponent has been running this political ad and should have a clip of the truck running people down. In these days when this is actually happening, do we need this sort of ugliness in American politics? I'd shake my head sadly. There'd be sad news underneath. It would say, I'm Ed Gillespie, and I just want our children to be happy and live in a great country and have opportunity. I don't know what my opponent wants. I, I'm sorry, I have to go. <laughs> that would be the end of the It commercial. would say on your script... S.H. Sadly. Right. <laughs> Shake head sadly. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Seven arrested at a Milo Yiannopoulos event in Fresno. Oh, no. Tell you what was going on there and what people were chanting. Stay tuned. Okay, fantastic. We've ha- we have so much good stuff for you today. We're going to have to cram it in. But we'll start with this. It is a uh, police written by a veteran journalist. You probably don't know him, Brendan Smilowski. He, he's uh, written for a bunch of people. I'm sorry, it's Ken Silverstein. I was looking at the photo credit. But Ken Silverstein is an experienced journalist in D.C., writes for Politico these days, among others. I'm going to jump right to the middle for his lead sentence. If you're going to indict and prosecute lobbyists for failing to disclose their activities, roughly half of Washington would be under arrest. Now... This article focuses on Paul Manafort a great deal. Manafort is guilty of a lot. I mean, he's laundering and hiding tens of millions of dollars in revenue. He is an enormous tax cheat. But he's also been charged with failing to register as a lobbyist. And Michael Flynn, you remember that? That was the big charge against him. General Flynn, that he had not registered as a lobbyist. Turkey gave him a bunch of money. Right. And I was kind of shocked that a a military man, a man who's known a life of discipline, regulations, etc., would um, would run afoul of that sort of deal. But this is a classic example of knowing just enough to be dangerous. I mean, all of us who listen to the news hear that, oh, my God, these, these Trump operatives, they didn't register. They're bad people. They're lawbreakers. Well, this uh, piece by Ken Silverstein says, among other things, the real news in the indictment of Paul Manafort on charges laundering and failing to register as a foreign agent is that someone has actually been prosecuted under a foreign lobbying law that has existed for decades but has almost never been enforced. How often did you say you'd heard it had been? In- I'd heard, and it's been around forever. This law is quite old. 
if I understand correctly. And they prosecuted like five people in all that time ever. I'm not going to weigh in on whether Manafort or his associate Rick Gates did in fact launder more than $18 million, largely gathered his fees from Ukrainian strongman and Putin ally Viktor Yanukovych. Yanukovych. Uh, but I can say with certainty that the law which Manafort is accused of violating, known as the Foreign Agents Registration Act, or FARA, is a complete joke. The law was enacted in 1938, but it's been under-enforced or not enforced for ages. Yeah, How I do I know? It's been around since the 30s, and they almost never use it. It's incredible. I've been writing about foreign lobbying in Manafort for more than 20 years. During that time, I've only seen a handful of cases brought against people or organizations accused of not registering as foreign agents. There was always some foreign group or Washington outsider or or, or uh, the Cuban Five, someone allegedly connected to the IRA. Never a wired Washington lobbyist like Manafort. Yet Manafort, like dozens of other influence peddlers, has been operating in plain sight for years. I wrote about Manafort as recently as August 2016. One story for Fusion, focusing on his Ukraine work. Another story for my website that looked at his historic work for dictators and crooks, which is worth a tangential uh, uh, comment. In 1992, my favorite magazine of all time, Spy Magazine, which existed for only like four years or so. If that's not right, I don't care. Don't write. Uh, It was a few years. Anyway, Spy Magazine ranked his lobbying firm as the sleaziest of all in the Beltway, giving it a blood-on-the-hands rating of four out of four. As I wrote in my piece, that was a full bloody hand more than the rating accorded to runner-up Edward von Kloberg, whose clients... Um, included Iraq Saddam Hussein, Romania's Nicolae Ceausescu, who was a t- truly loathsome figure, and Liberia's Samuel Doe, who, if you're at all into history, you know, are all just horrible, bloody dictators. Uh, center, center. So okay. that's about the kind of people Manafort was representing? Yeah, utter shamelessness. Like I said, that was kind of a tangent, but I found it uh, interesting to be reminded of it. That's an interesting way to make your living, isn't it? Going around representing those people. And you can't make the argument like you can within our borders. Well, look, our system is even the most heinous criminal deserves a, uh, you know, a vigorous defense. That's right. It keeps our justice system healthy. Me defending Charles Manson. You can't make that argument when you're going to pick up dictators on the other side of the planet and. Right. And try to rehabilitate them. Right, exactly. They pay you millions of dollars, and you, sp- and you try to pretend they're nice guys. Uh, same year as the spy piece came out, the Center for Public Integrity issued a report titled, entitled The Torturer's Lobby, which cited Manafort and his firm's work on uh, behalf of all sorts of uh, terrible, terrible people. Manafort got rich off of representing these kind of people. you got to keep in mind, and Trump hired this dude to run yep. his campaign. But somewhere down For the some line, reason, and nobody's exactly sure why. Getting back to the main thread of the thing, somewhere down the line, it appears, Manafort discovered that registering simply wasn't necessary, which made it harder to follow his activities. So nobody knows what he's been doing lately as much because he used to register. Now it's come out in excruciating detail, uh, the charges, etc. Manafort actually should get points for ever filing and disclosing anything at all, although he didn't in the case of Ukraine. The Center for Public Integrity, again in the 90s, reported that only about half of foreign lobbyists bother filing under the FARA law, and it's surely gotten worse since then. So less than half of these people bother registering. 
And then a big deal is made in the media of Flynn having failed to register. So that is a great example of of, of knowing just enough to be dangerous, or you read the news, you're yep. misinformed. Yep, absolutely. So Flynn's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, everybody told me you didn't have to. It reminds me of when Martha Stewart went to jail, for some, went to prison for some sort of insider trading that I then learned everybody does. And her reaction had to be, why are you picking me out of the crowd? Right. To enforce this all of a sudden. Right. Everybody does this all the time. Why would anyone file? This gent writes. Almost no one who cheats gets called to account, so why bother? If you rob banks and TV stations broadcast video images of you pointing a gun at the teller, but the police never bother arresting you, you'd keep robbing banks, right? The Department of Justice's own Inspector General has confirmed just how toothless the FAR enforcement is. In September 2016, DOJ issued a report that tallied all the prosecutions under FARA since 1966. A total of seven. <laughs> In 60 years? 50 years. Oh, Only one of the individuals charged was convicted at trial. According to the report. So one person has been convicted of uh, running afoul of this in 50 years. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Two pleaded guilty to fire charges. Two were convicted on non-fire charges. And two saw their cases dismissed. So I would say the most interesting part of this story is, if you follow this news at all, that you've been hearing about Flynn and Manafort not registering as if that's a big crime. And it turns out everybody does it. Right. Exactly. Manafort is hardly the only Washington lobbyist who appears to have flouted the FARA rules. Evading registration is child's play for Washington pros. Look at lobbyists, PR executives, and opposition researchers caught up in the Russiagate investigation. Uh, Many of the people involved were lobbying against the Magnitsky Act, the law in 2012 that sanctioned and barred some Russian officials suspected of human rights abuses, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I heard somebody ask yesterday, on the whole Mueller investigation, does Mueller have access to Trump's tax records? Is that something he could just get as an investigator? Does he have to? Does he have to force Trump to turn him over, or can he just go to the IRS and get him as an as a whatever he is special investigator? You I guess you could subpoena them, but I don't know what tax law is on that. I think if you had a subpoena from a judge, you might be able to get it—a warrant. I wonder if that. I would mean, that if be... you're a, an accused tax cheat, for instance, they get your records. Would that be something we know about, or would that be in secret? I wonder. Probably in secret. Secret now. for now. Uh, one final note on this because I think it's worth knowing. Listen, and uh, it's impossible to fully explain this every time we talk about our utter contempt and distrust for the Beltway and how rich everybody is. God, go to Washington D.C. Drive around in the suburbs. It's as if I don't know. There's there's so much gold. Everybody gets a bar every month. There's so much money there, and it's all your money. But here's another, except for that which is paid by foreign bloodthirsty dictators. Here's another trick that's even better, and it's not just used by Russia, writes Ken Silverstein in Politico. Let's say a government, and this is what Hillary and her people did. Let's say a government wants a lobbyist or someone else to do some work for them in Washington. Maybe it's lobbying. Maybe it's not exactly lobbying. The country simply has a major American law firm hire the lobbyist or PR executive. And now you're not lobbying for Russia. You're providing litigation support for a certified American law firm. And it's 100% legal and outside the purview of the ever more meaningless FARA statute. Makes you wonder why there's any law at all. Well, that's something. So, yeah, Hillary and her crew hiding. They hired a firm, a law firm, 
that hired a guy that hired this uh, Richard, this steel dude who went and got all the info from the Russians, just like Trump is accused of doing. They were just way better at it because well, they knew the ropes. Well, but it is the law, and Mueller is now looking at all this stuff. So, so listen, here's my point. Do I have a point? Yes, I have a point. Well, there are a number of points, but here's one that you might consider. You people who think we can have a giant multi-trillion dollar colossus of a federal government, but we'll pass laws to make sure there's no corruption. You, my friend, are a fool. A judge has actually ordered a man to say nice things, write nice things about his ex-girlfriend. It's part of the sentencing. She is a snappy dresser, Your Honor. (laughs) Among other things coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. burritos today to any customers who ordered in their Halloween costume. Good news for the front of the horse, but terrible news for the back. Oh, did you have to go there? Poor Chipotle. Um, a Maui judge, Hawaii. What is that, an island? Come on. Uh, <laughs> My Jeff Sessions impersonation. There you go. Um, a Maui judge has handed down an unorthodox sentence to a man who pleaded no contest to violating his ex-girlfriend's protection order, which is not cool. He ordered this dude to write 144 compliments about his ex-girlfriend. 144? Resp- a gross. In response to the 144 nasty text messages and calls that he's accused of sending her. I want you to write a nice thing for every nasty thing that you texted her or or, or sent her. Uh, that's an odd thing to do. <laughs> it really is. It's, uh, it's very parental. <laughs> you, uh, you have nice hair. Um, You're not as moody as you used to be. <laughs> Am I doing it right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Did do they have any examples or anything? Did he come through? I uh, don't know yet. We'll see. Um, I wonder if it's genetic. The the whole, uh, you know, some people get dumped and they just they're miserable and sad, and some people are like angry and they need to do something about it. Boy, I was a I, I, I don't want to run into you ever again in my life. Not not like angry, just don't want to deal with it. It's right. Painful. Moving on. You're not going to hear from me again. Right. That's just, yeah, moving on. I'm just going to curl up in a ball with the covers over my head for months. Definitely not a call you, etc. Although, I don't know, texting didn't exist when I was going through these sorts of things. God, thank God. I can't imagine the whole relationship scene, uh, dating and all that sort of stuff, in, in the world of social media. I didn't do it. It just seems so awful to me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. fraught with danger. I don't know, just different personality types, you know, because I remember hearing at one point I, I was going through some relationship thing, and, and the uh, is it the Four Tops or the Temptations Ain't Too Proud to Beg? Temptations. 
Great old Motown song. Uh, Ain't too proud to beg. And I thought, I am. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, at the point I'm told to hit the road, it's too humiliating to do. Oh, please, please. Plus, it just doesn't work. Trial and error. I think I did try it once. Yes. With, with, no, with no effect. And then realized I'm not doing that again. Oh, so no. That makes things much worse. Did you tell her all the plants were going to die if she left? <laughs> all the plants will die. <laughs> <laughs> the old L.O.P. is what got me. The look o pity it, it just stuck in my head. I thought, ah, I'm not trying that again. Yeah, yeah. You do that once with no reaction. That stings. That leaves a mark. Yeah. So, yeah. Not going to try that one. Throw no. out that page of the playbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we can't stay together. I just told you I don't want to. <laughs> I know you blubbering oh. like a buffoon didn't help. <laughs> oh. Whose car is in the driveway? That's Jim, my new boyfriend. Oh, oh, oh. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a, I know. It's painful. It's terrible. You hate the joke, but I just, I just, uh, the whole, it's so troubling, though. The, the, the men, the angry men, and women do it too. Women are generally not as physically imposing as men, but the whole, you know, had to get a restraining order, angry, bitter, I don't know. It's God, one time. Uh, sad, sick. We went out like. Sad. We, we went out like once, and then I, I, for whatever reason, I wasn't interested or anything like that. But she called me up one time and just laid into me about what an awful person I was. Just went on and on and on. Wow, on. you'd gone out. I'm going to tell everyone about how shitty you are. Wow, that's right. We saved those messages. <laughs> Wow, and you went out once? Yeah, I mean, like it wasn't 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 much of a relationship. Man, she just really lit into me. I'll be damned. That I thought that is a hmm. people are complicated. Relationships are hard. That's what I've learned. Oh, no doubt. Um, should we be spending more time on this truck attack in New York? I can't tell. Um, my my sense is we know what the guy is. We know his tactic. There's nothing to do to stop that tactic. A particular tactic, and uh, I don't know. Is there anything to discuss other than that? We could talk about the difficulty of finding out a guy like that um, because he's not really communicating with his cell or his, you know, his fellow jihadis. So there's no interception to inter, there no communication to intercept. Really, there are a number of people on Capitol Hill even now saying we've got to reinstate some of the more intrusive NSA law stuff. That's a valuable tool, a necessary tool. All the news you get comes out of New York for the most part. Right. So, you know, they're super into it because it was their town, obviously. And there's a lot of the brave New Yorkers going back to their business and that sort of stuff. I'm always a little troubled by that because what was the most Oh, brave Houston dealing with the hurricane. Yeah. I, I'm thinking all these cities have equal bravery. I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking there's a city out there when they get attacked. Oh, too bad it was Atlanta where there's a truck attack because people in Atlanta, they'll just curl into a ball and give up. Yeah. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen anywhere. So, I think it's part of the healing. But I think one of the reasons in New York that, that, that last night people went just their regular Halloween stuff happened. Hours later, today, people are riding bikes on that same bike path. and I think it's the, what we were just talking about. Yeah, we get it. It was, a, it was a rando jihadist who did this. It's not part of a bigger plot. It's not more likely to happen today than it was yesterday. They got the guy. There's nothing you can do. Whatever. And, I, and furthermore, F you. Yeah, yeah, and that. Right. I, I I think that's got a lot to do with the getting back to normal business, right? Yeah. Well, and listen, I have a, a commute that's long enough that I can flip around taking a bunch of media. 
And it was all going over and over what we already know and or wallowing in the horrific details, listening to people describe how much blood there was and stuff like that. Mm. Why do I want to hear that? Nobody does. I've been to plenty of crime scenes. I've, I've had enough. I can picture it. So, yeah, we're, we're not wallowing in it today. It's terrible. It's awful. It makes you angry. Makes you want to lash out. Islamism is a dark and evil force on the earth that I wish I could wipe it away with my hand. But we can't. It'll be interesting to find out if he had any contact of any kind or if he just came up with this on his own. It's troubling to me that people can just be radicalized by watching videos on YouTube. And, and hear about this and think, yeah, I want to do it. That's really troubling. Well, and I will tell you this, and I have looked to a number of European countries that have had huge levels of uh, immigration from Muslim lands and have had, you know, plenty of nice folks who are just looking for a new opportunity and uh, a lot of awful scumbag jihadists as well uh, come to their lands. The, uh, the utopian ideals are going to be less and less popular, and the more crack-downy, uh, keep-an-eye-on-people um, attitudes are going to be on the increase. And uh, we'll just see where that gets us. He left a note in his car saying, I'm, a, I'm an ISIS guy, because he expected to be shot dead. He wanted to make sure we all knew, for some reason. In the in the very pickup he was using yep. for the crime, yep. yeah, in the seat of in the seat of the truck. So his plan was to get out, be shot dead, and then everybody read the notes. Oh, on NPR, ISIS. they're they're saying they're still uh, trying to figure out what motivated him. Isn't that hilarious? What? Yeah, that's the sort of utopian nonsense I'm talking about. I think the guy, we, everybody is reporting. He jumped out, said Allah Akbar. He had the note on the seat, blah, blah, blah. But the uh, the liberals at NPR, the progressive, the, the utopians, are still trying to claim it could be an ex-lover or something like that. NPR, Please. where the senior vice president of news and editorial director sticks his tongue in people's mouths. Yeah, maybe they say that because they figure, he, you know, maybe he threatened to grope them if they didn't. And and, and here they come. Here's, here's a little aside. I'm going to save your writing your... See, why why am I so aggressive? Why am I so angry? Too much caffeine? No. Actually, you know what? I had a little heart rhythm thing yesterday. Oh? And I, I'm thinking, I don't know. One of the truths about getting older is the amount of, for instance, caffeine or alcohol or whatever that used to be just fine isn't anymore. So I'm wondering, it could Maybe be Maybe you need more. Oh, let's try <laughs> you don't, it. You don't know. Let's try it. <laughs> exactly. And what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, right, right, with little Jack Daniels in there. Sure. Let's go let's not go, go quietly into this good night, but raging or something or other. Um, Where was I? Oh, here come the emails. You guys are all hot to trot about Muslims and your racists and and what about the white guy who shot up Las Vegas? Well, that is some fine and excellent logic. Because I have a smoke alarm in my house, I should unlock my doors because there can only be one thing to worry about. No, you numb skull. This yeah. is quite the conversation you're having. Crazy. Yes. Shut up. Yes. Crazy. He's raging yes. against the light. Let him yeah. go. <laughs> Crazy. Angry. Probably too much, Jack Daniels, Marshall. <laughs> Yes, yes, there are plenty of crazy idiot Muslims around the world who want to kill us in the name of Islam. Meanwhile, there's a bunch of scumbags who are angry about God knows what who wants to kill us for various other reasons. I'm in favor of keeping an eye on both groups. Do you ever, if your wife's out of town, just have a full-on conversation at the dinner table? Back and forth, arguments, laughs. Yeah, usually it's pretty friendly. 
Usually. <laughs> One guy doesn't say, I don't know why you're not. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> hey, pass the peas. Now listen to me. <laughs> Pacing around in the living room in front of the picture window. That's right. It's a lot like Fight Club in my house. <laughs> You've ever seen that gem of a film. <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, it's taken another turn. Democrats lashing out at President Trump's terror tweets now. You got a new report on Manafort's money and just released Forbes' new list of the top earning dead celebs. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Do we want to hear uh, Marshall's strange side effect from his surgery? <laughs> Yes, that's in. T- Michael, settle down. I think that's entirely up to Mr. Phillips. Well, he he's willing to talk about it. We've All already right, discussed that. It's it's, but it's a little uh, it's, it's untoward. <laughs> oh no! I was hoping the show would be toward today. <laughs> so stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So just a hint, the side effect you got from your surgery is yes. a part of your body grew that yes. you, you don't expect to have change in size, really, exactly. at any point in your life. No. No, it was it was quite the startling side effect, and we uh, can go into uh, some detail. I will have to pause several times to say, okay, how much more do you want oh me to boy. tell you? Oh, golly. Oh, boy. Um, I didn't realize it was multi-tiered. Oh, it is. And oh, before boy. we get into this, yes. you are still in pain and a little high on Oxycontin. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I am definitely in pain. I'm definitely floaty, but we will try to uh, not uh, drop any epithets. Awesome. Here's the news with Marsha Phillips. Michael, remember that. No dropped epithets. Okay. President Trump tweeting about immigration following yesterday's deadly terror attack in New York City, allegedly carried out by a Uzbek national who came to the U.S. in 2010. Trump took to Twitter to say... The terrorists came into our country through what's called the Diversity Visa Lottery Program, a Chuck Schumer beauty. I want merit-based programs. Democrat Senator Schumer response, asking Trump, where is your leadership? Question mark. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, he weighed in. Crook. He was, he was not impressed. This is not the time to play politics. This is not the time to foment hate. This is not the time to divide uh, because they all exacerbate the situation, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about. Those sort of uh, catchphrases, those right. hot button words, you're going to see less and less sympathy for them. Does that fomenting hate? But does all that stuff work? Name the tragedy. Does that work on anybody when one side politicizes it, depending on what the issue is, and then the other side says this is not the jumping to politics already? And you just—I've heard that so many times through my life. <laughs> Depending on what the issue is, oh good lord! Because if it's a, if it's a, you know, it just depends on the situation. But each side is willing to I, say politics not the time for politics, and the other side's willing to say now is the time to do that. Ah, ah, does that work on anybody? That's my question. And the dance of the universe continues. Oh, so tiring. More on Manafort. Just released documents show the... More on Manafort? That's editorializing. Liberal news media. Wow. Wow. More on Manafort. Just released documents show the financial holdings of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort are substantial. At residences in New York, Virginia, and Florida, and the document says the size of his holdings were very flexible. 
It shows that in November of 2016 and January 2017, Manafort noted his, his assets to be worth about $25 million, but they had been valued at more than $136 million months earlier. Wow. <laughs> so the amount of money that he had flowing in and out of his bank accounts really, you know, rose and the drop well, yeah, like if, the tide. If, if everybody's reaction to Manafort's arrest was, well, yeah, we knew he was going to get arrested. Surely he knew that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and got himself set up for that. This guy seriously is on the same moral plane as somebody who runs child prostitutes. I mean, he has carried water for some of the most loathsome human beings who've dwelt on our planet. You know what I would like, though? I, I would that? be willing to offer him immunity if he would sit down and do like a two-hour news special where he says, let me explain to you how the world really works. Because mm. he knows. And wow. it'd probably be pretty grim to find out the way the world works and the way Washington, D.C. works. Let me tell you how this thing actually works, all right, you children out there? I would, I would sign on for that. As disgusting as I find that idea. Forbes has just put out their top earning dead celebrity list for the year. Top five now from fifth to first. In fifth place, you got the one, the only Bob Marley. Fifth on the list with $23 million. As long as college kids are getting high, he'll stay on that list. And is it just at stoner t-shirts? and uh, No, not really. Greatest hits album. Oh, gotcha. Is is a college dorm kind of staple. And also his his estate has gotten into the legal weed business as well. And Ah. he's got the House of Marley audio product line. Which is apparently doing quite well, sustainably created. Oh, good. That's one of Um, those genres where I can't tell a good reggae band from a bad. It all sounds exactly the same to me. (laughs) And along with everything else in his empire, the Marley Beverage Company, coffee and mood-relaxing teas. (laughs) Coming in fourth was Elvis Presley, $35 million, up from last year's $27 million. That's uh, thanks in part to the new $45 million Elvis Presley Memphis Entertainment Complex and a recently opened hotel at Graceland. So they're ramping that up. Coming in third place, Peanuts creator Charles Schultz ranking third income $38 million. Just had his house burned down. Nah, yeah, it was his house. Yeah, the but, museum made it. Yeah, that income's going to be plunging because Snoopy means nothing to, you know, no, I don't. generation of kids. I'm not sure my kids even know who Snoopy is. Yeah. Golf legend Arnold Palmer, second top earning dead celebrity. $40 million. Does he make money every time I get an iced tea with uh, lemonade in it? If you buy the Arizona yep. brand canned ones, mm-hmm. he yep. does. Makes money off that, and about 400 stores around the country are still selling Palmer-branded apparel. And you've got stores in Asia and all around the world selling Arnie stuff. And at the top of the list, for the fifth year in a row, Mr. Michael Jackson. Top, yes. top earning dead celebrity. He died eight years ago, but according to Forbes, he generated $75 million in income last year. It was a good year. I barely had time to play the harp. <laughs> Jackson's earnings boosted by a new Greatest Hits album. A new Greatest Hits album. A Las, uh, I don't Vegas... understand why you don't just buy the old one. <laughs> Same songs. A, La- a, Las-, <laughs> a Las Vegas uh, Cirque du Soleil show and his stake in EMI Music, the publishing catalog. So the money just keeps on flowing in. $75 million. And that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. I should try to get Tito's my... Pilates classes aren't free. That's a cost. I should try to get my kids into some of the, 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 the Charles Schultz stuff. And uh, Halloween was the perfect time, right? The yeah. great pumpkin Charlie Brown sure. is a classic Still for me. wholesome and entertaining. My it's kids wonderful. have never seen it. 
might be a tough sell. You think? I think so. In, just in terms of the cartoons that they're used to watching, yes. and you go back to that. Flash, bang, bang, flash, 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 bang, flash. It's yes. very understated. There's not a lot of comedy to it. It's right. yeah. Plus, Charlie Brown's undiagnosed depression and social anxiety <laughs> disorder. Your kids might find that a little off-putting. And a seven-year-old bald kid is a little weird, too. <laughs> the lack of parenting on that show. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, so we're going to talk to a guy who's in New York City in a little bit. Yeah, we'll get the latest, see what they've figured out. See, I, I understand how big buildings, tourist hotspots, we're going to put up the cement things, right? So the trucks can't drive down. You can't do that all over the country. You just can't afford it. Every sidewalk, every bike path in America. You can't in do a, it. A crowded place. No, no. You're every event. Come on. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Talking up Robert E. Lee yesterday. I suppose we should get into that at some point. Kind of minor dust-up of the day. I guess that was before the terrorist attack happened. Oh, speaking of the terrorist attack, yes, somebody pointed out this is the perfect example. Um, So Trump's talking about immigration. Democrats are howling. This is no time to inject politics. Anytime there's a shooting, the, uh, the left comes out and says, now is the time to do something about gun control. And the right says, this is no time for politics. Right. That's the perfect example of... Sure. That sort of thing. Yeah. And and I wonder, who does that work on? I don't know. I don't know. I often find myself wondering, are we just becoming embittered for having been in this business for a long time? Possibly. Or is humanity getting more hip? Because, you know, the constant barrage of this sort of stuff. I mean, even 26-year-olds at this point have now heard it enough times that they're kind of inoculated. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a great sense of that. Um, but anyway, on a different topic. You know, I wish we had more time. Oh, my God, we have almost no time whatsoever. All right. uh, Well, all right, we'll skip over that. We'll do this. More actors and other people in Hollywood are coming out and saying, yep, pedophilia is rampant. There are pedophile scumbags in Hollywood, and here they are. We were hoping that, uh, that Corey, Corey Feldman, and his adamant plea... To get this stuff out in the open in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein, the the, the uh, you know misogynist predator thing, we're hoping that this would get some momentum. Perhaps it has. You had the Kevin Spacey thing, and now this. You probably don't know who Finn Wolford is. He's a 14-year-old lad. He was in the blockbuster It, the killer clown movie, that of course has spawned so many copycats nowhere. Uh, he's uh, also part of the Netflix phenom Stranger Things. His agent, Tyler Gresham, is now facing a string of claims that he sexually assaulted or acted inappropriately with young aspiring male actors, including others who, you know, I don't actually know. But he's a prominent agent at APA, which is one of your big, you know, rep firms in Hollywood. He also represents Haley Arancho, who's currently on leave from the agency. Blah, 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 blah. 
APR takes these allegations extremely seriously and is investigating this matter, said a spokeshole for the agency, who I'm sure had uh, at least suspicions. Um, got kick-started with the Me Too social movement. Uh, more and more people uh, coming out. Uh, Lippman. On October 15th, he used Facebook to allege he'd been assaulted by a prominent talent agent from the firm APA. He declined to name the agent Sunday night, but offered a few details. Quote, we had a business, quote, unquote, lunch to discuss potential representation. He ordered me a drink. I said I was 17. He said, don't be rude. This is business. This is how things are done. I didn't know better. He got me drunk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Such a tired cliche. He's still at APA representing tons of young talent, using a position of power to coerce young boys. Like Weinstein, everyone knows. Wow. You don't become a person who's sexually attracted to underage. You, I, I think you're, you're that way. So do they seek out this line of work so they have access to these people? Uh, yeah, probably. You yeah. become a talent agent for child stars because I like to have sex with children, which is so disgusting. Well, now he got a poke on Facebook from this Grasham character, despite the fact that they are not connected. It, he took it as a threat, and he decided, oh, yeah? And what this 14-year-old actor did next is pretty cool. Awesome. Stay with us. Also, Al Franken taking on the lawyers from Facebook yesterday. We'll get into that. Whose side you on on the Armstrong and Getty Show? <laughs> 